Welcome back to the Fastest Melon Podcast, where we don't mess around, we don't beat around the bush, we just deliver you the great content, and we're back for the second and final part of Fastest Known Times of the Year Award for Europe. A couple of weeks ago, we did North America, but Europe, of course, is a super hot scene. They've been doing this for decades, and they kind of like the steep, the high mountains, and we're going to hear from the number two female FKT Year of the Award winner, who is Stephanie Crowell, for her route on the Berliner Hovenwag. Welcome, Stephanie. Good talking with you. Hi. Hi, Vas. Uh, thank you for inviting me, and I'm pretty excited to talk about my FKT this year. Well, likewise, and I also want to thank you for such good English it's way better than my German, so thank you for helping us all out here. Yeah, I'm trying my best, so please excuse if, if it's not that good. <laughs> so you live in Austria, and the route is in Austria, so tell us about this route. This is a big route. It took you 20 hours and 18 minutes. It's 57 miles long, so this this is uh, not going to the top of the mountain, coming back down. This this traverses a whole range. Yeah, um, usually it's a, a well-known um, hiking route where the hikers are on an adventure for about five to seven days from hut to hut. And it's uh, very known at home and it's in my hometown. So it's kind of, uh, you have to do this. And uh, it leads you from Meierhofen to Meierhofen and uh, uh, over the mountains and from all the uh, big huts in the Schlegeis-Speicher area. So it's uh, high alpine, very technical, um, and the landscape is just amazing. So if you ever come to Austria, come to the Zillertal and have a look at this route. You will enjoy it. <laughs> it sounds terrific. That's an excellent. You could be on the tourism bureau. That was well done. <laughs> Thank um, you. Now it's it's very competitive. This is something we should say about Austria and Germany in 2020. It wasn't people going out and having adventures. You really got on it. So, for example, two weeks prior, Kristen Berglund who was second at UTMB in 2019, ran it in 23 hours, 50 minutes. But you took, uh, you know, th three hours off her time. Yeah, um, uh, that was a, bit, a little bit funny because she didn't know that I planned to run it and I didn't know that she planned to run it. So uh, I was just for me and I wanted to have a good time. I wanted to be under 22 hours. That was my plan. I planned it uh, in March due to COVID. So uh, due to COVID, there, was, there were no races in Austria. That's why the FKT was, yeah, suddenly came and everyone was running it and uh, have there the competition. Because uh, before 2020, I didn't know anything about FKTs. <laughs> and I and I even didn't know that the Berliner Höhenweg was was a route on the FKT side. Great. But, so yeah. how how do we explain this pocket of intense competition in Austria and Germany in 2020? I and there was a lot 
of uh, roots in Austrian Germany on the FKT site and mm-hmm. on the nominations list for that matter. So how can we explain that? Uh, I really think that's, that's the, uh, the reason is the, the lack of competitions. There were no competitions in Austria because of Corona and all those regulations and stuff. And so they, uh, the guys decided to quit everything. And then there was uh, Michael Geisler and Adrian Niski who, who raced the FKT Austria series. There were several um, uh, routes you, ha- you, you could do. And they said it's kind of a competition. Uh, give everything you have and... <laughs> going to see how it worked and our our um, how do I say that so our group of, of all the trail runners our uh, scenery is um, coming good together and they are having having contact with each other and then they uh, talk to each other hey I did this in this time and how oh, would it be better and so maybe it's I can explain it like this Right. Mikael Geisler, he's one of our regional editors in Europe. He did a good job, didn't he? He organized, literally organized an FKT kind of a competition scene there. And he had even some companies put up some prizes. Yeah, um, Mikael Geisler did a great work and he organized all routes. And there was there were, I think, three routes. They were fixed for the whole summer. And then for every month, there was one extra route you can compete. And yeah, you got lots of prizes. I was I was very good and I attended at almost every race. So um, that was really cool. And yeah, so thanks. Shout out to Mike. Uh, he, he did a great job. He really did. That's a, That could be a model for people do elsewhere in the world. I would like to see more people do it. Mikhail did. Mm. That's very interesting. So he established three routes, standard routes, but this is COVID safe because there's no groups doing it. It's not like a thousand people at the start line. There's maybe one person at the start line. So it's still safe. You could do it whenever you wanted. Yeah, exactly. That's the, that's the thing. And um yeah, I'm I'm really happy that that he organized everything and and we could have competitions. Otherwise, this summer would have been a little so I, I'm a racer girl, so I want to compete and I want to do this. So otherwise, yeah, the this summer would have been a little bit hmm, yeah. <laughs> You're a racer girl. I like it. <laughs> That's terrific. Well, here's what one of the voters wrote when they uh, voted for you. And by the way, you know we don't decide who gets these awards. It's a group of voters throughout Europe that make these uh, cast their ballots. Mm-hmm. He, this voter, could have been a she, wrote, Steffi lives in the Zillatal. I might have mispronounced that. So this is her home turf. This is her where she lives. And this is the most inspiring female FKT of the year for 2020. Just watch the video. So we will have to put in the show notes. You please send me the link so people can go in the written show notes and look up this video. Apparently, it's very well worth watching. Thank you. Yeah. 
<laughs> so is did you have any particular trouble? I mean, this is long route. This is uh, this has twenty three thousand feet of elevation gain. Did yeah. you? Um, I mean, obviously headlamps and so forth, but how to go? Um, uh, first of all, I have to say, I ne- before I have never been doing such a long distance. So in, on the Schönbichler Hohen, it's quite in the middle. I had my uh, the most gain, uh, gain of elevation so I ever done before. And at the Berliner Hut, I had uh, the longest distance in kilometers and uh, I was before I was pretty nervous if I even can handle this and if my body can handle this, but it worked out, out pretty well. I had some knee problems, so maybe on the video you can see some parts where we tried to, to fix it and they uh, came up about kilometer 50, so that must be mile 25. 30, 32. 42, yeah. And uh, but uh, I had a, a physiotherapist on the Berliner hut. He helped me out with some tapes and, and tried to, to fix this. Unfortunately, it was so warm and I was sweating so lot that the tape didn't, didn't hold good. So we always have to do it again and do it again along the route. But of course, if you're on your way for such a long time and... Uh, on that alpine scenery and uh, those technical parts, I was sure that something will hurt at any time. So I could cope it and it was okay. Nice. Terrific. Apparently, yeah, it was really okay. (laughs) (laughs) Here's an interesting aspect. Um, there, there's a real organized aspect to the scene there. So you were fully supported. So you went out there with your team. It's like people you know. It wasn't just your sister or your brother or your spouse. This is, You had a, a team of people. Yeah, um, that's the racing team from the mountain shop Hörhager. That's a, a, a shop um, with... Uh, especially for trail running and uh, ski mountaineering in Meyerhofen. And we got a racing team and um, I got my, my guys. <laughs> they stand behind me and run with me. Uh, that was absolutely funny and great and was motivating all the time. My stuff, I carried all with me, my food and my, and, and, uh, my poles and whatever I needed. They just had, in case that I run out of food, something uh, with them that I could get it, but I had enough. We also had some uh, food stations on the hut, uh, some um, eating eating pauses at the huts, where also my family was waiting and uh, cheered and uh, was wow. supporting me. Yeah, it was. So our team is really good, and we are all helping uh, helping each other. And they were really excited to be there. And yeah, just great, great teamwork. Oh, good. Well, that's, that's a nice explanation, Stephanie, because some people do FKTs completely by themselves. They might not see anybody else for the whole time, but this was a team effort. And I respect that. So more people are involved. You know, it's a different style. And 
all styles work well in the FKT scene. Everything, everything is welcome. <laughs> yeah. And by doing it this way, you had more people involved. You know, you get your family got to cheer you on. So it was kind of like a COVID safe race type scene. And, but you still had to do it. Obviously you had to do it yourself and, uh, you know, good job. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, kind of COVID safe. Yeah. It's, of course we were all together, but we were on the fresh air and, um, no, that was, uh, really nice that they supported me and, but, um, no, none of them was the whole time with me. So, uh, Martin wanted to try, but he, he had problems, not a good day. So he had to, to quit then because he was more, um, keeping us back than pushing us forward, uh, unfortunately, but, um, uh, so that I planned that, uh, so say Günther and Martin was from, from this distance to distance, distance, and then they, uh, changed with others. I always had fresh people with me, fresh motivated guys. Even I was, uh, totally, I was so done on kilometer 64. I wanted to quit everything and said, no, it's, it's not, I can't do this anymore. And I want to go home and sleep. But they were uh, so motivating me and say, hey, come on, we, it's done now. There is not, not much to go. Or the, so, <laughs> yeah, that was just great. So when I'm thinking back, um, yeah. Was... Well, I really like hearing that in your voice. You have that joy of camaraderie. Uh, you have that joy not only of your own individual accomplishment, which you did, but you also have that joy of, being part of a team and being grateful and doing something together, I think is also a wonderful aspect. Yeah. Yeah, of course. You're right. Mm. Well, Stephanie, what else, what might be coming up here in 2021 or anything else you'd like to tell us? Uh, I hope there are some races again. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I, I would like to attend at the world, uh, sky running world series next year. So hopefully there's something and if not, or if I got spare time, maybe I'm doing some FKTs as well. I didn't plan anything. Those ideas may, uh, mostly come in my night shifts during work. So spontaneous. Oh yeah, I could do this. Gonna see. Okay. We hope to hear from you again in 2021. Thanks a lot. Congratulations again. Well done. Thanks a lot. It was a very nice talk with you, Bas. And uh, go on with your FKT. Uh, I enjoy to have a look on all the, the routes the athletes are doing and those great, great, great work and uh, efforts they are doing. And yeah, thanks a lot. Right along, we are now about to speak with the person who won the number two male FKT of the year for Europe, and that is Damien Hall of England. Good to talk with you again, Damien. Hey, Buzz. Uh, likewise, thank you, and um, wow, thank you for everyone who voted. That's that's amazing. I'm, yeah, this is kind I'm, of fun, isn't it? 
Yeah, I'm 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 really really flattered. That's very kind. Thank you. We should do videos because I don't tell people what what happened until I, I literally do this live, and so it's it's kind of fun. I and I very much appreciate the gratitude and the humility that everyone shows, even though you obviously did something amazing. Yeah, it's it, it's a strange, wasn't it? Because I suppose, well, I suppose you get this all the time that FKTs can be can be, I suppose, very different, um, different styles, different distances, different competitive levels um but it's still it's still you know it's still nice to be nice to be recognized i suppose and and (laughs) in in britain this was a um well at least to me it's yeah it's it's one of the the toughest kind of three or five um ones so i guess for those who don't know the story um uh the record stood for 31 years and then um and then my my friend and your your, your compatriot John Kelly, um, who lives quite near me, and and um, I would say we trained together. We've only actually once trained together because of, of lockdowns and, and families. Um, but um, we were both going for it this this summer, and he um, he broke the thirty one year old record. Uh, but then I rather meanly eight, eight <laughs> days later. Um, I mean, he always knew this. Um, and actually, for a long time, I thought I was going first. Um, and I always thought, well, he'll beat me because he's John Kelly. But um, at least I'll be able to say I broke the 31-year-old record. And so I get to say I broke a record that stood for eight, eight days, which, you know, doesn't, doesn't maybe sound as good. <laughs> that could, you could look at that either way, couldn't you? That's, that's wonderful. I like that perspective, Damien. The Pennine Way, like you said, one of the originals, one of, like you said, the top three or five routes in a country that has – a lot of historic roots. I mean, the roots in the UK go back decades, if not sometimes much, much longer than that. Isn't the Pennine Way the original? It's our original national trail, and it's over 50 years old. Um, and it was inspired by the the Appalachian Trail, actually. Um, it actually all came about because two American women um, were coming for a holiday in Britain, and they wrote a letter to a newspaper saying, do you have a trail in Britain like the Appalachian Trail that we could come and hike? Um, and um, a journalist sort of, I think he I think he worked on that newspaper, but he, he was like really disappointed that we couldn't say we did. So he started dreaming up this idea um, of, of, you know, yeah, of a Pennine Way. Obviously, it's a lot shorter. It's 200, 260, well, officially 268 miles. Um, the version of me and John ran is 261 Um but then, and, and you talk about our records being a bit older, I suppose the Bob Graham round, um, which is probably our number, yeah, that's our number one. That's probably our most famous and our most competitive. That's been around since 1932. Um, yeah, I mean, people haven't been running it every single year, but lately they, they have uh, in the last few decades. Um, so, yeah, I, I, um, some of our records are, are, are fairly competitive, I suppose. I, I don't know how many people have gone for the Pennine Way one, but I've seen at least five people in the last two or three years, you know, kind of serious attempts. Um, I've right. watched, watched with interest. Right. 261 miles took you uh, two days, 13 hours, 35 minutes. And like you said, you did that just eight days after John Kelly uh, broke the 31 year old record, but that's how it goes. And so that's one of the reasons I think you, the voters, and by the way, in case everyone, everyone should know this, fastestknowntime.com does not select the winners. We compile and put together a group of people who vote. It's a numerical count. 
So we don't influence this at all. So the voters selected you as the number two, possibly because you broke John's record. You know, when things get competitive, they get more interesting. <laughs> yeah, and and I must admit, it, it both helped and hindered me, I think, because, yeah, I mean, although John's a friend, you know, I, I, I look up to him because, you know, he he's, you know, he's the Barkley guy, isn't he? Um, obviously, he's had some other good results as well, but that's what he's most known for. Um, but he's been really, really freshening things up over here, actually, because of his, um, I don't know how much of it gets back over there, but his kind of grand round ideas and you know, I was still pretty much lying in bed broken from my Penway run and he was back out there doing his his grand round two um as part of his what he what he called his Hartley Slam, which was an absolute epic. Um I don't know I don't know who, who won this vote, so I, I don't know if that won it or not. But um yeah, so he's doing some incredible things over here. Um but yeah that that but also when he broke the record that stood for thirty one years, it made it helped me because it made it seem possible before that you know, just that 31 year thing makes you think, is it even possible? Maybe that was the best ever run. So he did help. Um, he did help me sort of prepare mentally in that respect. Um, he lit yeah. it up. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, our friends, uh, Summit Fever Media made a, made a film about it called Totally FKT. And in that he kind of said he, he broke, he said something kind of like sort of he broke the ice and I, I smashed it or something, something like that. But, um, but yeah, he, it was helpful for him to, to, to break the ice, but I, I suspect he may, I hear a rumor he may try again at some point. So it could be an ongoing saga. It could be, <laughs> could be quite exciting. Right. Right. Well, we, we could be hearing from you and John for 2021 uh, <laughs> and you were nominated twice this year, actually uh, seven months apart because back in last January, almost a year ago, you did the Patty Buckley round in January. And you, you received a nomination. So you're on the nominations list twice this year. And by the way, people can go to the website and there's an article with the entire nominations list on the website. So feel free folks to go look up that article. You can see everybody was nominated and everybody, you know, you know, pardon me, Damien, everyone was a winner, right? I and mean, these are all really, really good. Yeah. I mean, well, I don't know if you're bored of talking about last year yet, but I mean, what what a year. I mean, that was just so exciting, wasn't it? As a fan, you know, aside from being a runner, I'm a, I'm a fan of this stuff. And uh, it was just so exciting to watch. Um, obviously, I'm a bit more focused on the British scene and we had this kind of lockdown for two or three months and then it was kind of suddenly over and suddenly everyone was released in a way. So we had these crazy, I don't know, maybe two months approximately where you know, before the end of summer where just it seemed like records were tumbling almost every day, you know, records that stood for 10, 20, 30 years. So it was, it was such an exciting uh, and, and, and yeah, pretty much no races on. So it was just such an exciting time. Um, and I guess what I'm intrigued in, in the longer, the longer term is, is whether it's changed people's attitudes, whether, cause I feel a bit more like, yeah, I'd like to do a race again. Cause I sort of miss it, but I rather enjoyed, I actually did, I actually ended up doing three FKTs in the year. Um, and, and they're all, I don't know, hugely rewarding, all slightly different, you know, adventures. Some of them, the, the first, the earlier one you mentioned on the Paddy Buckley was very much, you know, it was a, a solo unsupported, but the others were very, a lot more social. It was great to, in a year where some of us weren't seeing our friends, that, that was a great, there were some great memories, um, you know, speaking on a, on a sort of personal selfish level. So it was, um, yeah, it was a really exciting 
a really exciting time. Yeah. It was, particularly in the UK. Obviously, you have this insane history, right? You almost invented cross-country running. <laughs> and so we really appreciate the history there. But for 2020, things got competitive. You know, there's things, there's rounds and ways as the trails tend to be called that were being done like every other year and then like 20 people did it in 2020 and then as you said damien that was basically july august and september that was it you had a three-month <laughs> season yeah yeah so i think um I'd always planned to do the, the first FKT in January, and then I was going to go to go to racing like like most people would, I suppose. Um, but as we could see, races start to be cancelled. Um, I already knew John was doing the Penal Way, but I had been thinking about it for several years, and and I've got you know various friends can verify that I'd said to them I want to have a go at this sometime. And then of course no races, so it was like well I've run out of excuses. Um, but then we still had to kind of wait because we weren't allowed for quite a while. We weren't allowed to travel away from home to exercise and then we weren't allowed to stay away from home um so we're all sort of at home getting restless i suppose in a way training quite well we weren't necessarily training on the terrain that we wanted to be on or the more exciting terrain for people like me that don't live by mountains but but we were probably training i was resting more you know i was i had less work i was sleeping better um i i I don't know if i was running anymore necessarily but i was i was definitely resting more and i just felt i suppose more relaxed overall i think and I, it'd be interesting to, to know how many people thought that helped them. But then, but then suddenly we were allowed out, uh, and I suppose a lot of us had just been scheming, going, "I want to do that run. I'm desperate to do that one." Um, and we hadn't had those races bashing us up. Um, and maybe I'm curious about whether there was a, I don't know, just a, I suppose a feeling in the air. You know, obviously last year and this year still, you know, this whole pandemic is, you know, it's really, I, I don't know what the word is anymore, but it, it's totally un. Well, I don't want to say unprecedented because I'm getting sick of that word, but like it's um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a very unusual times, um, right? And it puts, right. Well, unless you are 100 years old, it is unprecedented. Yes. Yeah. The, the so-called Spanish flu, 1917, 1918. So you'd have to be 102 years old. But yeah, yeah, that's an interesting hypothesis, Damien. So you you're kind of under lockdown, but you're still training, but because you're working maybe from home you're sleeping you're resting more still training and so when the gates opened up people got on it yes indeed if i look on the uh the nominations list just for the guys well look at this we have the ramsey round pennine way the grand round lay jog which is running the entire length of the uk right the monroes right donnie on the monroes of course, you and the Paddy in January, and then down south, Southwest Coast Pass, Christian Morgan, Jack Scott, Southern Upland Way. That's just the guys. So UK threw down, and of course, we started talking about the ladies. You know, the 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 the, the UK woman had a very good year, also. Absolutely, uh, my good friend Beth Pascal broke the yeah the, the women's Bob Graham record um, uh, by. F- 40 or 50 minutes but also that was the fourth I'm, I'm a bit embarrassed I don't know exactly but it was the fourth or fifth fastest time ever like between men and women so you know that was absolutely stunning I mean Beth for the hopefully most people have heard of her like yeah she's been top five at Western States and UTMB so she's a you know she's a right up there um another good one was uh another friend Carol Morgan broke the women's um Lakeland 24-hour 
record, which is, yeah, a, a bit of a unique record, um, which the idea is basically how many mountains can you go up in 24 hours in the Lake District? But but it, it is linked to the Bob Graham because the Bob Graham sort of came out of that concept, um, you know, way back in, in the 30s. Um, but there is it is a separate a separate challenge now. Um, and yeah, Kim Collison broke the men's version, but the, and, and those two records, um, the men's definitely have been around, I think around for 20 years. Maybe the women's was more like sort of 10-ish years for, from memory, but, but there weren't records that, yeah, I suppose people were expecting to see go. Um, right. I like how you're able to do this off the top of your head. We're having this impromptu conversation, which we don't edit, and you have extremely good knowledge of what's going on there. I have to consult my notes. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, it's it's in a way it's easier for me because I I know a lot of these people, I suppose. So I, so I'm it stays in my mind a bit more, uh, perhaps. Um, and also, I know I suppose I know the areas which they might sound a bit well. They would sound foreign to you because they are foreign to you, I suppose. But um, but yeah, I um, I'm intrigued. Obviously, you you had a lot more FKTs over there, but you never really had this sort of lockdown sense of right. You can't go out. Okay, now you can go all go out. In the states, you're correct. Um, the States, that would have been socially difficult. <laughs> uh, there's, a, there's a certain personality type, a certain cultural type. So for the United States to go into the type of lockdown that parts of Europe did, um, I'm not sure if that actually could have happened, just physically could have happened. Okay. And so we tried to, like, for example, myself, I was out today and I, I walk out the door with a mask on, you know, that, that's what we do. And then I, Today was a, we're recording this on a Wednesday. And so I went up into our mountain parks, but I would never go to our mountain parks on a Saturday or Sunday. You see what I mean? Because you, yeah. you can't get six feet apart. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't do it on a Wednesday and I'm wearing a mask, et cetera, et cetera. And then I go to the grocery store once a week wearing a mask. And so, but I could go to California, I could go to Maine. So that, that aspect was never restricted. We went to six foot distance wear a mask if you can't do that. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. And, and, uh, yeah. And of course we have that one of the highest death rates in the world. And just, just a note in terms of uh, number of cases and number of death rates, the United States is, is, is right up there with Brazil. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, who, who, it's, it's, <laughs> I don't know where to go for that, but we, we have a lot of people are very, um, including myself, but yeah, aren't, aren't exactly thrilled with, uh, with our own, our own government either, but there's probably, probably not the, uh, I don't know if that's, that's the areas you want to go in the podcast necessarily. That's but a it, different, that's, a, that's <laughs> an excellent discussion for a different podcast. And yeah. That, that would um, be about a two or three hour long conversation, wouldn't it? Yes. Yes. Maybe. Um, yeah. And then we're back in a lockdown again now here so at the moment we can't we're allowed to go out well i think we're, we're allowed to go out yeah once a day to exercise we're not meant to travel um without re- very good reason basically you know you know for uh you know for, yeah very good reason um so i can't yeah i can't do the training i would i would like to do but you know that's that's a small a small complaint in the grand scheme of things um well, damon, damon i want to congratulate you again pennine way uh eight days after the record it was broken that it stood for 31 years in a terrific time and you were nominated twice as well so number two male fkt of the year for europe this is extremely good congratulations <laughs> it is thank you very much everyone thanks for nominating me as well and um excited to see who won actually yeah 
Well, if you stay tuned, you're about to find that out here in another 30 minutes. So keep listening, folks. It's <laughs> coming right up. Okay, folks, we're getting down to the nitty gritty. In fact, we're sticking with the United Kingdom. That's right. And I'm now going to speak with Beth Pascal from Belper, England. And congratulations, Beth. You the, the voters awarded you the number one female FKT of the year. Congratulations. Thanks a lot, Buzz. I'm I'm flattered. Yeah, I, it's a big surprise. Uh, a lot of um, you know really amazing record runs were run this year, and looking at the list for both men and women, um, yeah, I, a big surprise to be at the top of that. So thank you. Well, this is the little heads up I got on you, which is that you're very humble. So I think we're off to a good start. You've confirmed that uh, <laughs> because. You wrote in your blog, and listeners can go to the written show notes, and there'll be a link to your website, Beth. But you wrote, you didn't make your attempt on the Bob Graham round public because you thought you might get laughed at. <laughs> that's that's true, yeah. I think everybody, I mean, including me, thought that the the previous record that Jasmine Paris ran on the Bob Graham round was completely untouchable. Um and and Jasmine is a you know is a is an incredible fell runner and I'm not really a fell runner I've mainly run on the trails for the last few years so I thought that you know people would you know if I said I was going to try and go for a record I think people would have thought well she's she's not even a fell runner like she's <laughs> why does she think she can do that I, d I guess I didn't have you know any credentials that would suggest that I could do it I suppose. Okay, well, humility. We'll we'll have to draw out a few more facts of the case here, Beth, because it was amazing. You did the uh, BGR in fourteen hours thirty four minutes, which was fifty minutes faster than Jasmine, and Jasmine's time was considered spectacular. And you were only an hour forty two behind some guy named Killian. So you you kind of knocked it out of the park. Yeah, I mean it's still a big gap between me and Killian. Um I think the the one of the reasons that I was able to put down that time was because there was just nothing else going on. I mean, I had a a long build up with, you know, really good consistent training. Um whereas when Jasmine ran her record, that was I think it was, well, she had a, basically a full-on summer. She ran all three of the big rounds in the UK, the UTMB, Sky Running World Championships, loads of other races. So, so much going on. Um, but for me, it was just the Bob Graham and, and that was it really. So I could just focus on it solely. And um, yeah, um, certainly the lack of races helped there. That's interesting, isn't it? So the pandemic obviously was a major hardship, shut down races, shut down travel. But on the other hand, it provided focus at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Well, I'm wondering if, so going into your background here, you had twice at Western States, you had great runs over here in the States. And as you noted, uh, I mean, once, I'm sorry, you had a fourth in 2019 but you're fourth and fifth at UTMB. So like you say, you're a real runner. You run the trails extremely fast, but that's not all. You Glencoe Skyline, that's one of the extreme sky running races. So 
I guess I'd have to ask, what don't you do? (laughs) Uh, Well, I'm good at running a long distance on technical terrain efficiently. I'm not fast. I wouldn't say I'm a fast runner. You know, some, you know, some people who can run fast at the sort of ultra trail distances, you know, would run super fast over 10K or a marathon. I'm certainly not good at that. I think I'm just, yeah, I'm just good at moving efficiently for long periods of time. Um, and even though I've, you know, spent most of the last few years on the trails, inevitably in the UK, the, the training, when you're in the mountains here, you don't have those nice, smooth, well-groomed trails that you've got in the Alps or the US. It's always just rough terrain. So I'm constant. I'm always training, you know, on, on, on the fells and really rough terrain. So I think it's always kind of, I've always found that even when I do trail races, I'm, you know, overtaking people on the technical descents and things. And that's that's what I enjoy. Gotcha. Well, a little over 18 hours at Western States. That's pretty fast, I think. So good job. Good job, Beth. Now, I'm going to go back to your um, your own website again here. And so your subheader is Ultra Runner, Doctor, and Free Spirit. So two out of those three, I can see. But, I mean, do you sleep at night? So how can you be an ultra runner and a working pediatrician and a free spirit at the same time? So help us out here. What, what's the secret of this balance that you've apparently have been very successful at? Um, there is no secret. And maybe on the face of it, I strike a good balance, but it's not always that pretty, if I'm honest. <laughs> um, yeah, I think maybe on the outside, it, it looks like, you know, everything's always going swimmingly. But yeah, there's just a lot of time where I'm really tired. I get ill a lot. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, it's 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 not always pretty behind the scenes, I would say. So I shouldn't feel so bad about myself. I shouldn't feel like a couch potato. No. Okay. No, absolutely not. (laughs) All right. Thank you. And I I think they kind of complement each other as well, to be honest. Um, I think I would, you know, if I didn't have work on the side that I would, I don't know, I'd probably... I guess I wouldn't enjoy running as much. It's just like a huge, huge release to, you know, finish a shift and go out running. And um, I think I appreciate the time I'm running a lot more. Um, And, and yeah, like running is pretty selfish. (laughs) Ultra running anyway, in the grand scheme of things, we, we try and convince ourselves that it's, it's, um, you know, it's, you know, it makes us a better person and we inspire people, but really we're just doing it for ourselves. And then in contrast, when you're at work, you're just, you know, you're just not thinking about yourself at all. So, yeah, I think they complement each other well. Just to be be clear, you're saving people's lives. Yeah. 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 You're not. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought I'd spell it out because you're very humble. And it's uh, (laughs) me to say it. But, yeah, it's really different. But I like that. You framed it. The work-life balance, which is a somewhat of a cliche, but we do think about that, is a positive thing for you. So they almost contribute to each other. So you feel like you're doing something meaningful and you're putting food on the table. And then when you go for a run, okay, it's just you. You can focus on that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You put it well. I like that. I like that. A positive outlook on the work-life balance. Well, being a pediatrician is... uh, Now, can you still be a doctor and a free spirit? Help me out on that one. 
Well, well, obviously, when you're at work, you're you're less of a free spirit. <laughs> you're yeah, you're kind of t- your hands are a bit tied with what you do and what you don't do. Um, but I think I I try and I I think the I mean conventionally, most doctors don't you know aren't professional ultra runners on the side. Um, I think that. Um, I don't know. I've always kind of done what is what I wanted to do rather than what's expected of me, both from a running point of view and professionally. Um, and yeah, I guess I'm not afraid to, um, to take risks and try new things. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. I'm not explaining that very well, but I feel like a free spirit. I don't feel like I'm tied down in any way really. Oh, there you go. I think you've articulated it correctly. Because what does being a free spirit mean? Does it mean you don't work, that you just putz around? Does that really mean free? No, it's your attitude, how you look at your, how you frame the world and how you work within the world. So I appreciate that, Beth. Okay. So the BGR, this is a big deal. Um, I think most people worldwide have heard of this now. Um, it goes back decades, obviously. It's probably the premier, it is the premier FKT in the UK and certainly one of the top five in Europe. Um, it had actually John Kelly, who we heard from last week, told us that when he did the BGR during his grand round, 2,289 people had officially done it. <laughs> and it's official. As you know, you you register and someone has to witness you on every summit. It's They don't putz around on the Bob Graham round. And you did it the fifth fastest ever. So what's up? What do you have to say about that? You, did, did you have a good day or what does this mean? Yeah, I had a good day. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, I had a perfect day, if I'm honest. Um, as I said before, like I'd had a really solid block of training. I'd I'd spent a lot of time on the on the route. So the you know, one of the most important elements of the Bob Graham is the navigation. So there is no set route. You just have to visit um a certain uh well, a certain forty-two summits in a particular order and you choose your own route. And so a lot of the time you're not following trails. So taking the optimum line is, is, you know, a key thing. And, um, I, yeah, so I spent a lot of time on the course, like trying out different lines, trying to, um, yeah, trying to suss out the, the really get the best line between the summits. Um, and then through doing that, I was obviously getting my hill legs and yeah, so training was really solid and, and in training I'd managed to run each leg well, up to two legs consecutively at, at the record pace. Um, and that gave me a lot of confidence as well. And and then when it came to the day, you know, that was actually the easiest bit of the whole thing. Um, yeah, because, you know, I trained really hard and and um, for most of the the year in the before my Bob Graham, we were very limited with travel. So we weren't allowed to stay overnight in the Lake District. So I was... And I don't live in the Lake District. So I was, you know, I'd drive up one day a week. It's a six hour 
uh, round trip for me and then I'd run for like eight or ten hours um, and then go to work the next day and yeah it was like I felt like I was really pushing myself physically and mentally so when the day came it was it was just you know a huge relief to just be doing the thing that I'd been <laughs> planning to do for so long and and it just all came together really well and it was yeah you know I haven't got a lot to say about the day it just all went really smoothly I like that. You projected it. You know, you you worked at it. You didn't just show up and, oh, I think I'll have a go. Um, Now, you Belper. By the way, when I Googled Belper to see where it was, there's only one Belper. I didn't (laughs) didn't have to type in UK, so that was kind of fun. And so you're just south of the Peaks District. Yes, exactly. means you're well south of the Lakes District, which is confusing to me because there's more peaks in the Lake District than the Peaks District, but we'll leave that idiosyncratic aspect of English aside. And so you worked on that. You had to practice it. And of course, an interesting thing for you know people in America is that Bob Graham style, which they're always supported. I mean, it's you are not an official finisher unless you are witness doing it. And so that navigation and is, is definitely part of it. But you said something I did not know. So you can take any route to each peak, but it is a prescribed order of peaks. Is that correct? Uh, there is, well, uh, most people do take exactly the same order of peaks, but there are a couple of occasions when there is some, de- well, maybe just one occasion where you can do one peak before the other and you can make that decision yourself. Um, but it is a, it's, you know, it's a largely everyone will take the rough, well, almost exactly the same route because it's fairly, fairly obvious. You would be mad to do a different order. You can do it either clockwise or anti-clockwise. Um, but really it's just about, yeah, the line between the specific peaks. Gotcha. Good. Now this, uh, as I mentioned before, this is a big deal in the UK and you kind of wanted to come in under the radar and then, but you literally have to announce it. You literally have to register for this. And I think you were well received at the finish line. Is that correct? Yeah. As you say, I, I had kept it under the radar. Um, but Salomon were putting out some Instagram stories during the day. So people only got wind of it really after I'd started. Um and so, you know, there weren't, there weren't many people at the finish, but um, there was a few people turned out and obviously all my support team um, still were living in a, a a socially distanced world with limited travel. So it's not like when Killian finished his and there were thousands of people there. Um, uh, and but yeah, the the online reception I had was, yeah, really overwhelming. Um it was, you know, for, I was mainly doing it for myself. I wasn't really expecting the general public to care about it. I thought it was, I mean, fell runners are, um, we like to do things. Um, we don't like to make a big deal of things, basically. Right. And I think I didn't quite realize, you know, that the Bob Graham was, people actually knew about it. Um, so, I understand the BBC interviewed you. Yeah, they did. They did. Again, that was a a big, a big, um, yeah, I just didn't expect them to to know about it or care about it, to be honest. Um, but okay. yeah, it, it was great that they did. All right. Here's what some of the voters wrote. The BGR is the FKT in Europe and Beth's time was unbelievable. So there's no other choice for me. 
Another voter wrote, the Bob Graham round is an iconic UK round and the records have been stout for many years. Killian elevated to new level, then Jasmine Paris to for Beth to beat Jasmine's time so stoutly is quite the FKT. Actually, I could go on and on here. Uh, I'm, I'm normally, I like to read what the voters say because we don't give out the award. The voters vote as a mm. complete democracy. We just add up the numbers. But I will note, this is the second time for the FKT of the year in Europe. And this year is the fifth time for FKT of the year in North America. So that's seven times two, because there's always one for female and male. That's 14. And this particular one, I, I, can, I might mention, is the widest margin of anyone we've had. So, <laughs> oh, wow, thank you, thank yeah, you, and thank you to everyone that voted for me. Right, there, there you go. Thank me because <laughs> I mean, I, well, yeah, I mean, the people voted for you and it was a big margin. So, I just have to pardon me, I have to call that because normally we don't divulge that because it's everyone's a winner, right? Look at the nominations list, as you said at the start of our conversation. Wow, everybody essentially won a race to have an FKT at all. But yours was particularly popular. Is this, oh, and I should finish up by saying, again, listeners who go to the written show notes, click through to your website. We have a great write-up on this. You have terrific photos. And there's that photo of you drinking that pint of brown ale. And so, you know, here we're from America. We're going, wow, these people know how to do it. We're kind of envious of your style over there, Beth. So there's there's a pub that is next to the Moot Hall where the Bob Graham round starts and finishes. And the pub is called The Round. And when someone finishes a round, they come out and give you a pint. <laughs> well, okay. No wonder. Makes the whole 2, thing worth 000, it. <laughs> 2,289 people. They're, they're feeling a little motivated, aren't they? <laughs> oh, wow. That's, uh, we're, we're still a young country here. Maybe we will learn and grow as you have. So has this changed your approach, Beth? You've been an excellent racer. You've been focused on races. You mentioned your coach wanted you to stay focused on races. Is this going to shift? Is FKT going to become more of a thing? Or what do you see next for yourself? I don't think it will change. I think I, when races are on, I will be prioritizing races again. Um but yeah, I'd I'd like to, you know, try and fit in at the odd FKT. Um, I guess the difficulty for me is thinking of something that is going to live up to the experience I had with the Bob Graham. Um, so yeah, like watch this space. I'd like to do something else, um, and you know, maybe this year will be um, an opportunity, as we still don't know what what will be happening um, in terms of races. So yeah, I have an open mind at the moment. Well, it's January 18th, so you have time to make up your mind. So no plans, concrete plans made for 2021 yet then? Uh, no, I mean, obviously I've got a, a long list of races lined up. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll just, uh, I, I'm fit and I'll be ready to race when the opportunity arises. We hope to hear from you again, Beth. Congratulations again and thanks for spending a little bit of time with us. Cool. Thanks a lot, Buzz, for having me on.
We are wrapping up the Fastest Known Time of the Year Award for Europe with our last guest who actually is also in the United Kingdom. And I'm speaking with Mr. Finley Wild, who was voted the number one male FKT of the Year winner for his FKT on the Ramsey Round. Congratulations, Finley. Uh, thanks, Buzz. Yeah, that's uh, that's really cool and really nice to uh, to be invited on to to have a chat about it. Well, yeah, congratulations to you. Wow, the the Ramsey. Just for people who don't know, there's three big rounds. There's there's actually more than that, but round is the UK term when one is going to a number of different summits, usually in a particular order, but it's sort of an open course in that you're not on a trail. You can get to the top and go down any way you want. And rather than calling it a link up or a traverse, in the UK, it's called a round. And the Ramsey is a fantastic one. It's in the northern part of the country. It's in Scotland. And I hear it's one of the toughest. So tell us about the Ramsey. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it's about uh, ninety two kilometers, uh, eight almost uh, or about eight thousand meters of ascent over that. Uh, it's generally regarded as being yeah pretty pretty rough. Um, there's some paths, uh, but it's mostly uh, you know mostly ridges and uh, pretty rough with a bit of scrambling, and uh, yeah, it's kind of got everything. <laughs> well, it's got everything but easy trails. Yeah. So the our previous guest, Beth Pascal, did the Bob Graham round in 14 hours and uh, 40, 34 minutes. And you were 14 hours and 42 minutes. You were like eight minutes different. So this, that's kind of interesting. But I think the Ramsey's a little more technical, a little more remote. Is, am I understanding that? I think, yeah, compared to the other, the other, certainly compared to the Bob Graham, which, well, I haven't done, but from what I've heard, and what I know of the, the Lake District. Yeah, I think it's um, it's rougher. Um, probably the paths are, are less good for, for quite a lot of it. The, the, I suppose the, the climbs are, are, are bigger. And yeah, definitely more remote uh, to get support crews in and, and out. And right. the, weather, the weather might be a bit uh, worse as well up in Scotland. A bit. So I'm here in the United States, and I've heard about uh, the, the the weather up there. I think that's where they in, almost invented Gore-Tex. So is it true, Finley, that it's like windy and sleety half the year, or is, are you just saying that to keep people like me out? <laughs> uh, we we get yeah we we get a mixture. Um, we get quite a lot of rain and and windy windy wild days, but uh, it makes the uh, the good days all the more special. Um, you really want to use them to the maximum. Well, I guess that's um, that's the positive outlook on it, isn't it? So here's the deal. Um, there's, there's been a, obviously a lot of goes on the Ramsey, and almost everything everything on our website is unsupported. But you did it unsupported. You went solo and unsupported. In 14 hours, 42 minutes, which was an hour and a half. That's a lot faster than any supported time. So I think the voters gave you some pretty high marks for that solo unsupported effort. Yeah, yeah, I was really pleased with with how that went. Uh, it was, yeah, like you said, most of the the other rec- the previous records, they'd all had support. So um, there was a few reasons why I did that. Um, 
like I, I live in Fort William, so where the where the round starts and finishes basically. So I run in these hills all the time, and I know them really well. And um, so uh, mainly, I like the simplicity of the aesthetic of just going out myself with uh, you know my race vest full of some supplies, uh, and just and just going for it. Keeping things really simple was quite key. And there was a few um, sort of obviously I had to carry my my own stuff, which could be considered a downside but there was definitely some upsides to going on my own um in that i didn't have to commit to any dates to have a support team ready so i could just look at the weather and just purely go when the weather was ideal um and also i had i had less to worry about in terms of uh, making sure you know support teams were in the right place at the right time uh you know i, I would find that quite stressful having a, a, a the correct schedule uh, you know, the the worst nightmare is if you arrive at a, a changeover point and, uh, you know, your your support crew's not there or your food's not there and you have to just go off on, on your own. And, and that could actually, that does happen fairly often with Ramsey's round because it's quite remote and there's there's not too many places to, there's not really any easy places to get support in. It doesn't cross any major roads, for example. So your support has to has to run in uh, to fairly remote places so yeah I could avoid all that and just uh, kind of run to to my own pace and my own drum and and uh, yeah as it happened it, it worked really well you could focus on the the event you could focus on yourself on the hills that's I like that I appreciate that plus on the Ramsey as you said there's only two road crossings in 58 miles and so it's possible you could be carrying no food expect to see support and then they might not have made it <laughs> and then you're hosed yeah i definitely know people who that's happened to and they've they've you know not not only is there this was the physical thing of not having the right food or you know supplies but psychologically that's if you're expecting a support team and they're not there and you have to go off on your own that's that's going to be a real a real hit uh, yeah. Whereas I guess I knew I was I was I wasn't going to see anyone, and um, mentally I was prepared for that. You know, I'd sort of visualized the the whole thing and how it might feel. Wow. Well, Beth told me Beth Pascal told us just in our previous conversation that she was going to do the BGR the Bob Graham on a Saturday, but the weather wasn't good, so she rescheduled for a Friday, which was this big deal because she had this whole crew of people she had to reschedule with some of whom could make it some of whom could not and up there in scotland the weather is probably a little worse and so you just waited for your weather window and you could just hit it when you wanted yeah yeah keep it simple um like i've been you know i love running in all these hills around around home i know them really well uh so i had the route fairly dialed uh well most of it very dialed uh, I, I was sort of building up to this, so I, I was building up the distance and sort of felt confident about that. And then it was just a case of yeah, waiting for for the weather window. I guess it'd be different for Beth because um, the Bob Graham, uh, you sort of have to have it verified by um, your support team, you know, someone being with you on all the summits to verify it. That's part of the the Bob Graham rules, really. So that's not the case for the the Ramsey round. So. Um, it, yeah, it, I was able to do that. Yeah, that is interesting. The Bob Graham round goes back to 
Bob Graham, 1932, but isn't the Ramsey something like 1978? Uh, is that about the year someone first did it? Charlie Ramsey, July 9, 1978. Okay. And, and it's, yeah, it's an interesting rhyme because initially a bit, uh, this is the same kind of story with Bob Graham actually, but uh, initially it was, uh, it was the, when Charlie Ramsey did it, it was the new, what we bought, it's called the 24-hour Monroe record. So, so Monroe's in Scotland are mountains above 3,000 foot. And this was how many Monroe's can you do uh, in 24 hours, starting and finishing in, in the same point. So, uh, yeah, Charlie Ramsey broke that with this round, um, which then became this classic that, uh, yeah, that people oh. have been trying to get faster and faster on over the decades. Interesting. So he was doing the Monroe's. And this just happened to be the course he took, and so this became its own thing. Yeah. Okay. Good. I like that. It's a, it's organic. Someone just didn't think it up. It wasn't artificial. It really had a a, a natural origination. Do you think someone who lives somewhere else could come and better your time, or do they have to spend a few weeks there practicing? How do you see that? Uh, I mean, de- there's definitely people out there who could who could better my time. Um, I think it'd be hard to, to do it solo on site, you know, with, without knowing the course, uh, because it is pretty technical and there's shortcuts and, and the rest of it. But also I think there's a, there's a sort of, uh, I suppose I would say respect thing about these rounds and, and getting to know them, getting to know the hills and, and kind of a bit of the history and, and, uh, and what they're like in different weathers and different conditions. To me, that's like a really valuable part of, of the whole running experience, you know, uh, I've, I've done records elsewhere and, and I've gone down and, and got to know the, the hills. Um, and that's really part of the, the tapestry of, of, of the memories of these days out, because, you know, you have some context, you know, what these hills are like, you know, you know, you know where you're going, you know, the idea of just pitching up and, and, and running these hills, not really knowing them, uh, wouldn't appeal to me so much. Finley, I like that. I appreciate that. Otherwise, when I go to a race, what the heck? So when you're doing an FKT, you learn, you understand the culture, you understand the place. I like that. I think that's a the tapestry. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, now you've raced in Tromsø, the famous sky race in Norway. How would you compare the terrain? It's almost the same latitude, I think. So how would you compare the terrain Norway to uh, the Ramsey? Yeah, I mean the the common thing people say, uh, or people from Scotland say about Norway is it, it's like Scotland on steroids, uh, <laughs> meaning that they they've got a lot of the same harsh weather. Um, it's quite you know there's bits of bog, green, uh, plenty of rocky, scrambly ridges, but just the mountains are that bit bigger, that bit rougher. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's an absolutely amazing playground. Uh, I mean Norway's massive; they've got so many. You know, they've got a lot more big, big, impressive mountains than us. But yeah, yeah, sort of similar in some ways. Um, excuse me. Um, yeah, like I said, quite a bit of bog and uh, rough, rugged mountains without, you know, without big paths on, on most of them. Um, you know, yeah, most of the mountains in Norway, I, I think, don't really have paths at all or tiny trods. So yeah, uh, I think that's probably, I did quite well in in that Tromso Sky Race, 
I think I was I was third in twenty was it twenty sixteen? You might have the stats there. But uh, Correct. yeah, I, I absolutely love that course, and I think having run a lot in the Scottish mountains uh, definitely prepared me well for it and for the weather. <laughs> Nice and <laughs> for the weather. Well, I'm from Colorado, so I I would need to practice up by standing in a cold shower, I guess. One of the voters said, "I quote, Finlay's low-profile, unsupported Ramsey blew everyone away. He went 90 minutes quicker than the supported time on a round that has existed for decades." That about says it, doesn't it? I think the voters gave you good marks for that uh, solo and unsupported style but then you told us that it was just easier for you but that's because you know it so well this is where you live yeah i think that was absolutely key um yeah like i've i've got a real love for all these mountains around here uh and i train in them load and and there's there's lots of obviously different smaller training runs and even uh smaller records within the ramsey round probably the the most relevant to this conversation is the the tranters round which is two-thirds of the ramsey round but with a lot of the good you know high level ridge running in it and um that which actually that was so that's about 60 kilometers that actually coming back to the 24-hour monroe record i was talking about before ramsey's round it was the tranters round that was the 24-hour record so it was quite a big a big step up to ramsey's uh, when he first did that but um, but I I have the record for that now, just over nine hours, um, and that I've done that twice. Well, twice running uh, in summer anyway. Um, so so I built up, and again, every time you're out wrecking on these and, and doing records on them, you're you're building on your knowledge and and your confidence in these hills. Um, so so I was able to, I suppose, use that experience to to then visualize doing the the longer you know 30 kilometer longer ramsey's round and imagining doing that solo and unsupported and, and you told me earlier that you this blew me away just right there which i did not know you are the 10 time winner of the ben nevis race now the ben is the highest mountain in all of united kingdom and that's part of this round so you 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 kind of own this area don't you <laughs> um i mean yeah so i spent a load of time you know on that mountain and, and on, on the race the ben nevis race route which is about a 90 minute race uh but also you know days out like winter climbing ski mountaineering um you know all sorts of different things with different people in different weathers so uh i mean for me coming down finishing my ramsey round uh you know after this my longest ever run uh, you know, 14 hours something coming down the the route that I know so well. It, the sun came out. It was just this real uh, memorable, you know, positive experience of kind of a culmination of kind of everything in my running, really. Wow. That's a good visualization, Finley. Thank you. You know, some people, you know, you have a huge effort, this massive finish. You kind of do a face plant across the finish line, but you're coming down the bin. You know that like the back of your hand and the sun comes out, you you had it in the bags. You you were able to really enjoy that final 30 minutes, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's uh, yeah, that stands out there, you know, a, a bunch of handful of of my most memorable running experiences, you know, along with like some of my best race wins and records and things like that. Well, Ben, I have to ask 
Are we going to hear from you in 2021? Is it back to racing? What do you see coming up for you? Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Uh, obviously, we've got to see what happens with restrictions and, and the pandemic. Uh, next spring, summer, I'd love to get on. on um, you know, it'd be great to go and have a look at the Bob Graham, uh, get to know that and uh, maybe get a support team and have a crack at that. Uh, you know, there's the Paddy Buckley, which is the other big round in, in Wales. I uh, don't know if I get to that next year, but it looks really good. It looks pretty rough. And I, I have a record down in Wales that does a small part of that, the Welsh 3000 foot mountains. So I, I'd love to, yeah, go and uh, extend my knowledge of, of the Welsh mountains. Uh, and also uh, this winter, you know, we've just had some some good snow and I've done uh, part, uh, a ski mountaineering traverse as part of the Ramses round. Uh, it got a bit mild now, so so we're waiting, I suppose, for the conditions to build and get better again. But I'd love to, yeah, see if we can get uh, another go uh, on. Well, I should say another because myself and Ez Trisader, who's the previous Ramsey's Round summer record holder uh, from 2019, we tried to do a, a ski mountaineering Ramsey's Round last year in March 2020. So we got about four fifths of the way round before we bailed out for a variety of reasons. So um, that, that's never been done before. So that would be really cool to go back in if we get ideal conditions and, and just get on the skis and try and do Ramsey's round that way. Right. Well, that'd be a good one. And March is the time to do it, of course. January is, yeah. Yeah, avalanche good, yeah. Be good. Yeah, maybe, yeah, later, late January or, or February. Right? February would be ideal if we could get a good weather window and snow conditions. I hope we hear from you again in 2021, Finley. And thanks again, Craig. Congratulations for number one male FKT Europe for 2020. Thanks very much. Yeah, pleasure to chat about it. Cheers. That wraps up our 2020 FKT of the Year coverage. This has been so much fun. We've been inspired by so many different people. Remember, they're all winners. We only got to talk to a relatively few people, but everybody in these nominations list. They won their own race, of course. And so we look forward to talking with everyone next week.